tell me, though, what's his technique? That last strike, it seems invincible. Hello, and welcome to Sons of the Dragon, the Little Life Podcast. My name is Connor McKenna, and Carl cannot join us tonight, unfortunately, because he's at a con, and I can't seem to be around when everyone's available, so... Yeah, for this week, there's no Iron Fist news that I could see. Um, you know, actually, it's a credit to Rebecca and how good she is at doing our page that the first place I went to check for Iron Fist news was the podcast page, so... But I checked elsewhere, and there is no news. Now, as I said, this mic's not great. Carl thinks it's awesome, but yeah. So sorry for any technical weirdness on that end. But I thought I would put something out anyway. And I thought, hey, maybe it's a good time to do that sequel to the other Dead Ever episode I did. You know, The House of Traps. So before you listen further... I highly recommend that you listen to episode 26, The Deadliest Night of Daredevil's Life, as that is where the first part of the story I'm about to cover was covered. This is pretty much a sequel. And the issue is Daredevil 209. The title is Blast from the Past. Now the cover... I'm just going to say, this is a weird issue, and it's pretty amusing very odd issue but the cover is a stark yellow background and dead all surrounded by what looks like a bunch of girl scouts all saying help me help me and dead was horrified and he's screaming keep away and of course the girl scouts if you remember from last issue were robots who were sent to lure him to said house of death i'll explain more on that later when the issue does the recap so let's get straight into it so, we have Arthur Byron, who did the cover and was the writer. He was a co-writer on the previous issue. David Masticelli is again the penciler. Danny, oh, Danny Bellinati is the inker, sorry if I mispronounced that. Joe Rosen is letterer, Christy Scheel is the colorist, Bob Budiansky is the editor, and Jim Shooter is editor-in-chief. And there's a little box that says, From an Idea, by Harlan Ellison, who was... The other writer in the last issue. So we start off with a single page with two panels. Um, we have Daredevil swinging through the city at night time and he's just recuperating after the last night where she was in the house of traps. Then he hears someone running. And all of a sudden the warehouse right next to him blows up and throws him into a wall. Luckily, he uses acrobatics to recover, and, well, sort of recover. He leaps off the brick wall and ends up in a bunch of wooden crates. But he didn't break any bones, and he's using his radar sense, and he senses someone running away from him. So he starts chasing the crook down the alleyway, and then Daredevil punches him so hard he knocks him out, which is something he regrets. 
and as he's kneeling over the body, he recognizes the guy. And it's Johnny Square John. Now, Square John has to be the most unfortunate surname one could get. I mean, I don't know. Square John. Is that real? It's just Johnny Square John. Sorry, I'm just mulling that over in my head. Anyway. Uh, Dead Up recognises it's Johnny Squirtion. And his face, he hasn't seen him for years, so it's someone he's known in the past, and it looks like he's been pretty... Looks like he's been pretty beaten up. So, well, he turns him over. And the next day, he is having brunch, lunch, whatever, with Foggy and his peachy darling wife. And, yeah, it's going about as well as you could expect. Um, Foggy's married to Debbie at this point. Um, the more enthusiastic fans probably know of Debbie, and there was a subplot going on right now involving uh, Chief Mika. It's an awful subplot. She's essentially cheating on him and just being really mean about it. So, yeah, poor Foggy. Although he has a really weird moustache in this panel. And Matt's just sitting there really awkwardly, as I'm sure some of us have just sat awkwardly while people just argue around us at the same table. And Matt's, yeah, feeling sorry for Foggy, but he can't really do anything. But he's lost in thought. He can't get his mind off Johnny Square John or how that old woman bore such an epic grudge. Now, this is where I'll refresh the memory. The House of Traps... This is dead of reminiscing the house of traps that he went to was orchestrated by the mother of his old opponent, Deathstalker. And Deathstalker yeah, Deathstalker died earlier on at the start of Frank Miller's uh, drawing run when he was drawing the book. And so the mother wanted revenge on him, which had just orchestrated the most ridiculous set of traps ever, like just dwarfed Harold Meacham's skyscraper and how insane it was. Um, and he was lured there by a little girl crying for her mummy, which turned out to be a robot that was rigged to explode. Which is, you know, explains the colour. Maybe I should have put this at the start. It's too late now, guys. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Anyway, so at this point, as Matt's reminiscing about being hurled into walls of spikes and stuff, uh, Debbie storms out. And Foggy's upset, he's like, Debbie, you know, I love you, and she just leaves. That marriage doesn't end well, spoiler alert. And yeah, Foggy takes off after her, and Matt gets left with a check. But in the background, and Matt's oblivious to this, is a little girl. Asking if someone can help her mummy. The kindly couple take care of her as Daredevil walks out of the building. But then, the little girl follows him, going, Mr. Daredevil? Follows him out onto the street, through traffic, where it causes quiet commotion. And Daredevil is still seemingly oblivious as he walks towards the courthouse. The last panel is a very ominous panel of Matt walking into the courthouse and a little girl following her, and 
in the forefront and have a little girl observing the action. And they're all dressed the same way, by the way. So, yeah. Inside the courthouse, uh, Matt's just talking to someone about how his client is aware of his drinking problem, blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, lawyer stuff. Then Matt picks out Mr. Johnny Square John. Johnny Square John, what are you doing here? And Johnny is very surprised that he pegged him, no problem considering Matt is blind, supposedly blind. And yeah, Johnny explains his predicament to Matt, but he lies, twists some truths, and Matt knows that he's lying through his teeth. He says he doesn't even have to be dead able to know that he's lying. So, yeah, Matt says it's too bad that we have to meet again under such circumstances because these two have a history. When they were kids, they used to play together in the gym while their fathers uh, boxed until Johnny joined the local gang. And I'll just refresh anyone's memory. Matt, as a kid, was bullied a lot for, you know, being a bookworm and stuff because his dad made him promise not to be a fighter like him. Of course, that brings up all sorts of hypocrisies later on in his life, but anyway. And, yeah, so all the kids pick on him, they call him Daredevil, you know, making fun of his bookworm, you know what I mean. And he's like, getting beaten up by a gang on this panel, and he goes, Johnny, help me! And Johnny pretty much says, nah, screw you, I don't want to know you, I'm part of the Baron gang now. But shortly after... Matt had his accident, which blinded him. He ran into Johnny again, and Johnny was getting beaten up by, well, it looks like loan sharks. Because he owes money. And Matt kind of just strolls past, and kind of kicks the crap out of these guys. But he's just pretending to be clumsy. While doing so, he trips one guy with his walking stick, and then he just throws himself into the other guy like he's fell over and the guy behind him pulls a gun on him but Matt's not so subtle with this he just swings his yeah, it's not walking see he swings his it's not his billy club either what's this cane it's a cane no sorry he swings his cane around and whacks this guy straight in the face and the thing is Matt didn't Matt's face wasn't even in the direction of the gun being pulled, so Johnny Square John is a bit confused. How'd he do that? He's blind. And then, ha ha, Matt goes, see you around, Johnny, and walks off. Now we're back to the courtroom after that little flashback. And Johnny's asking if Matt can defend him. And Johnny says, you know, he really wants to go straight, he loves his family, he loves his wife, he wants to be a better man. Now he's telling the truth that part for not the other part but Matt decides that he can't defend him but he can make it he can make sure he has some alternatives so he talks to his defender uh, he talks to John's defender like a public defender and uh, yeah Matt explains that he can use Johnny Square John to uh, get to some higher-ups in the organization since Johnny is like bottom rung therefore getting Johnny off the hook kind of makes him a rat but Johnny at least but yeah so 
Matt walks out of the courtroom after that, and he's sort of wondering, hmm, how much Johnny actually does know, and if it'll be enough to help, but, holy Hannah? Is this a nightmare or a flashback? He senses a little girl behind him. With the same recognition, with his radio senses picking up the same recognition he had for the robot that exploded, or one of them. One of Mrs. Sterling's robot drones. And she's calling for her mother, but apparently no one's heard her, so he's drawing her away from the crowd. And he sees an elevator not in service. Well, he doesn't see it. He stumbles towards it and presses his hands on the not in service sign. And he opens the shaft. And <laughs> little girl runs up behind him saying, Mr. Daredevil, come quick, help me. And then Matt dodges, hits her on the back with his cane, and throws her down the elevator shaft. And this lady comes up and says, Hey, mister, I could have sworn I saw you push a kid down that shaft. You must be mistaken, man. How could I have done that? I'm blind. He has a very self-satisfied smirk on his face as he says that. I'll post the I'll post that particular sequence in question on the page because it's being posted a lot for out-of-context moments. And there's a big boom as she explodes as she hits the bottom. And Daredevil is just sort of strolling out. And he just then he senses another one right in front of him, and sure enough, there's a little girl just marching directly towards him. Mr. Daredevil, wait! And he wants to knock her down a manhole. But there's a guy in the manhole, and then he goes to an alleyway to try and deal with her there. Wow. And there's a homeless guy sitting there. So, he just decides to follow her. And he follows her down the subway. Because that's what, remember, that's what they did. They lured him to the House of Traps. And that was their job. That's what they were programmed to do. You know, mommy's this way. So he's in the subway several miles later. Of course, they pop out of a grate, <laughs> which must mean they went to the sewer, sewer at some point. I have no idea. And they come up out again in the snow. If you remember, I was going about the snow last issue. And yes. There's the ornate gates there, and the complete ruins of the house. Last night, it was the deadliest trap I'd ever cheated. Today, it's just a heap of garbage. That means about as much as old Lady Sterling's life did. Ouch, Matt. Ouch. And so, her mechanical heartbeat has changed. So, Daredevil immediately runs up and just pegs her into the ruins of the house. And that... Brings in onlookers and they're all like, Did you see the explosion? And Matt just walks away whistling. Nothing's happened. And Matt's satisfied for a second. He's like, Wait a second. He doesn't know that there were just three drones. And there's a very nice close up of his head. And he's just got sweat running down his head. What if there are still more of them? So, he switches into Daredevil, intending to track them all down because, well, they're very explosive and they could hurt people. So there's a great shot of him leaping across the rooftops at night. And he figures maybe the No, sorry, I don't know what things are. He's going he's going back to the office 
uh, to finish up some legal work before he pursues these leads, but then he senses one of the little girls near his offices. But meanwhile... By the way, they make these little girls very ominous, but the issue is still pretty humorous. Overall, very oddly toned issue. Odd indeed. So, you go back to Mr. Square John. And he pops in, he's like, hey Toots, how's it going? He pops in on his family and his wife and stuff, and kids are excited to see him, but, you know, the old routine, the wife takes him outside, closes the door, calls him a bum, go away, don't come back, I was getting used to it without you. Calls him a fish face when he tells her he wants to go straight again, and slams the door on him. So having nothing better to do, Johnny just drives around the misty New York streets late at night, trying to forget all their signs. I don't know what the sign is for, but it says, I love my wife, in the background. So he goes out to the pub, or bar, as Americans might call it, and he walks in to hang out with some of his old mates. But Kingpin's orders he can't be hanging around those paths until he's cleared his name, or he served his time. Kingpin's orders. Now at this point, the Kingpin was very much Lurking in the background, him and Daredevil had come to an uneasy understanding last time they met, but that's not going to last particularly long. So it goes back to Johnny, just driving around the streets, and he's like, well, if he's free, and if the word gets out, his life won't be squad because everyone will know he's a rat, so yeah. And, you know, his wife hates him, Fran, his attorney wants him to squeal, and he has no friends pretty much left. And he's very lucky to get out of this situation intact. So he goes, oh no, I'll look up Matt's address and go see him. He'll know what I should do. And he still turns to Matt after all this time, I guess. And we have Daredevil running across the rooftop carrying his lawyer clothes. And just trying to figure out what the hell these little androids are doing. So he doesn't know if she's following him, which is moving to his front door. So he jumps into the back alley. Well, not back alley, he jumps in the back way and he's observing a little girl just sitting at the front of his house. And he realizes he's being staked out. They're all going to the places he frequents as Matt Murdock. And of course, that means that Mrs. Sterling, the one who lured him to their house of traps, knows that Matt Murdock is dead. Everyone, it turns out, well, Deathstalker did seem like a bit of a mummy's boy, considering the really insane, insane events that happened last issue. Oof. Did seem like a very, uh odd relationship they had going on. Anyway, uh, we have Mr. Square John driving up Matt's block and then he sees Daredevil just leaping out from the roof. Daredevil has a nice little acrobatic swing off the light pole and he's still tracking. Little girl says two more near his tank and another next to his local deli. How many are there? 
There's three of them just starting to follow him now as they spot him. And there's, well, an army of them. And there is, there's dozens of them marching through the street, warring Daredevil. And they're all saying in unison, Mummy's in trouble, you've got to help her, please, Mr. Daredevil. Daredevil is right, you are. I'll do it, until I can get rid of you, at least. So, Mr. Square John is followed. And, well, he is very confused. But he figures, well, Daredevil might be up to no good. So maybe I'll just follow him and then I'll get something on him. He's to incriminate him. To, you know, help himself out. But, at that point, one of the girls walks in front of a truck. The truck hits her and she proceeds to explode. Ba-doom. All this art's very good, by the way. It's not as good as the last issue, but it's definitely serviceable. The inking's quite good, all the shading and stuff. Yeah. Oh. And Dead of Ghost of the Truck just says, Hey, just ignore that. Just stay away from the girl. And, well, people are starting to make fun of Daredevil. But, you know, he's essentially just... Ch it looks like he's chasing a bunch of Girl Scouts, because they're all sprinting to get him to the ex-house of traps, and he's just running after them like a maniac. And Daredevil doesn't exactly appreciate people laughing at him. And people are asking him cars and stuff, and it's just like, ugh. Don't know how lucky they are. But unfortunately... Daredevil's radar since he picks up there's a mugging going on. And well, the guy's about to get creamed and he can't just stand by and do nothing. So, Matt, being Matt, he runs in, beats the plop out of them, knocks some heads together, and a guy behind him pulls a knife off him. He has a very similar maneuver with his billy club that he did with his cane when he was a kid. And of course the panel shows us this in case we don't pick up on it. There's some panels, you know, merging the past and the present. And the cigarette falls out of Johnny's mouth. He's like, huh. Matt's dead. It doesn't make any sense, but it does make sense. It explains how Matt saved him that night in the alley. How he picked him out in the courtroom. Why dead ever was at his house. And why he wouldn't defend me. He knows. He knew all along that I was guilty. But Johnny says he's still his friend, trying to watch out for me, so he's going to follow him. On this bizarre scene, chasing these Girl Scouts. And yep, they're back to the X house running through the gates. And Johnny follows, gets out of his car. And we cut to see him dead all being surrounded by little girls. And he goes, Alright girls, I'm here, where's mommy? And we're going, help her, Mr. Daredevil, help her. And then he listens for the ticking inside them. And they're about to explode. He hooks his billy club up to one of the towers that's still standing, which must be the only one. And whips himself away. It's some very nice art here showing the fluidity of his motion. Very Gene Colan-esque style. He swings up. Kraboom. Huge explosion. So if the house wasn't complete on four, which it was, now it's even more complete rubble. And Johnny comes up, he's like, Matt, you alright? Then I was like, who? And then <laughs> we have a scene straight out of a horror movie. Just the 
Mr. Daredevil, and there's like X's and there's Y's going everywhere. And one of the little girls comes up with half her face missing and like an evil Terminator skull, going, Where's mommy? and starts walking towards him. And then Johnny goes, Matt, look out! and jumps in front of the little girl, and then Matt screams, Johnny! as she blows up, straight in his face. But of course, he still has enough time to get off some dying words. Dad was like, Johnny, why should you do it? And he's like, you know, I know you would have done the same thing for me. Had to set things right between us. And before he dies, he says, could you see my kids taken care of and tell my Wi-Fi? And Dad has a very sad look on his face saying, I promise, Johnny. Goodbye, old friend. End of the issue. Sorry if reading that was a bit awkward. I'm not the healthiest person in the world right now, so it's difficult to uh, talk for long periods of time without, you know, having to stop and breathe and stuff like that. So sorry if it was a bit more awkward than last time, but yeah. Um, good issue. Really liked it. Not as good as the last issue, but, you know, it's a pretty decent follow-up. just find it very odd. It Half of it's a follow-up to the last issue, and the other half is about this Johnny Square John that Daredevil used to know, who dies at the end. Like, he dies, and it's sad, but at the same time, there's, like, little girl robots that are blowing up. It's very odd, but it's good. I enjoyed it. Hopefully, I described it enough to do it justice. Again, apologies if I've been sounding strange during this. It's just difficult. Yeah. Um... Difficult compared to last time. Uh, but yes, I hope you all enjoyed that. That was the end of this particular chapter in Daredevil's life. And there's plenty more to come from with Daredevil or any other Marvel Street heroes. Or if you guys even have a request for like a, you know, one of these extra episodes, one of these backup episodes that we do while one of us is away because, you know, we don't want to cover Iron Fist without the other person being here, then just send us an email. I'll cover any comic you want, as long as I have it. Um, or, I'll, or I'll pick one up and read it if it's that good, and I can cover that if, there's, uh, if one of us isn't available. So, yeah, hope you enjoyed. Next time, we will be covering Power Man and Iron Fist 6, as it is coming out next week. So, until then, may your radar sense be as sharp as ever and your billy club like onto a thing of iron, and watch out for Girl Scouts selling brownies. They might not be what they seem. Peace. Iron Fist and all other characters in these comics are properties of Marvel and Disney. And any music or images we use belong to their respective copyright holders, and we do this for fun, so please don't sue us. You can contact us at sonsofthedragonpodcast at gmail.com. Just send us mail, comments, thoughts, send us anything you want really, even if it's not about Iron Fist. Um, and if you don't want it read it on the air, just mention that. Um, you can also reach us at Facebook, the Immortal Iron Fist Podcast, Sons of the Dragon. Our Twitter, at Iron Fist Podcast, our SoundCloud soundcloud.com forward slash sons of the dragon with hyphens where the spaces are 
our YouTube, Connor Carl. Just search Iron Fist Podcast on YouTube and you'll find us real quick. And then there is our WordPress, Sons of the Dragon, the Emerald Iron Fist Podcast.wordpress.com. We are also on iTunes. Feel free to rate us there. If you rate us less than five stars, well, just tell us what we're doing wrong and we'll try and improve that. And last but not least, we are on Podcast Garden in the literature section. And thanks to Thomas Tissot for the theme song at the start. And thanks.